welcome. This is Talking Joy, creating joy, inner peace. So welcome, Amy Sandlin, to uh, the Talking Joy podcast. I'm so glad you're back. And uh, this is my good friend. If uh, anybody who's listening remembers that Amy and I um, talked about her hospice work um, a little while back, and she's back with us today. And um, we're just going to talk a little bit today. Uh, by the way, this is a surprise topic. Amy doesn't know what we're going to talk about. Um, and I love doing that to people because then you don't come with any sort of prepared answers. And um, that's why these conversations, I think, are great because they're they're spontaneous and um, and not that it's a big surprise, but just to give a little bit of a background um, on where we are. Uh, it's September, and um, you know the, we, the United States. We all went into quarantine in March, maybe, and and then spring sort of awakened. Even though we were confined to our homes, people were slowly able to get outside and do things and. Um, I'm sure, Amy, in your neighborhood, you saw that, people out and about and riding bikes, and it's a little dangerous driving, I would say, around because <laughs> uh, I've never seen people outside so much. And there's cer certain things about the pandemic that I've really felt um, have been better and and heartwarming, and, and part of that is is that, you know, seeing parents and children and, and grandparents and, you know, people really spending quality time together. Um, and then we get into the summer and people started to loosen up and you saw people at the beach, you know, photos on, on social media and people getting together and getting outside and it seemed more normal. Would, would you agree with that? I mean, <clears throat> I saw pictures of you, Amy, down in Avalon at the beach. And yes, yes, we were. <laughs> and we were supposed to go to North Carolina to Cape Hatteras, but because their numbers spiked, we canceled and we ended up getting lucky to get a spot in the Jersey Shore. Yeah. And, and I think that that happened to a lot of people. I think, um, you know, everyone stayed local to wherever they live, but went places within driving distance um, that were safe. And so you stayed in, in New Jersey. Mm -hmm. um, but what I'm feeling now, and I, and I saw this on, on um, a friend of mine, Ann Sussman, had written the other day on Facebook that she thinks that the mental health fallout um, from the pandemic will be worse than the financial one. Um, and then she wrote, here's some help, and, and I'll have this on my website, but mental health issues related to the lockdown and the pandemic, um, you know, are especially hard for everyone, not if you had a pre-disposed you know, condition, but um, what I've witnessed with just friends or people are on edge and, um, you know, people's buttons when you're driving are pushed more easily, <laughs> I'm seeing more road rage, because I think it's not about oh, I was driving too slow or I cut someone off. It's like it triggers this, we're, we're feeling emotional. And, and so long story, you know, leading up to this, but I feel like we're going into the fall now. And, you know, we're, we're thinking, oh, well, those outdoor restaurants and places that we've been able to finally breathe and go out and do might not be there that much longer, you know, just a few more months, depending on what kind of winter we have. And 2020 has been so wild, you know, I'm just expecting a snowstorm every other day. So I don't know. And we're in the midst of hurricane season. And um, so I just wondered what, you know, what your thinking is and not mental health issue from people who necessarily um, are classified with mental health issues, but just for the everyday folks that are struggling with this new way of being in the world. And I wonder, you know, 
you can tell us a little bit about your background um, and why you would be somebody that I would ask this question to, and not only as a pastor, but um, uh, and and really, you know, what what are you seeing? And 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 then maybe we'll talk about some some relief that we could suggest for people. Ooh, relief. Yeah, I need some relief now. <laughs> okay. And we do. And that's why I said to you a minute ago that I went out hiking with my dog this morning because that's my relief. Yeah. I prayed, uh, I thought, I contemplated, I was alone, I was quiet. Um, all of those things fill me up. So. Me too. The outdoors. The outdoors connects me to the divine and lets me just... <sighs> You know, and then you feel better when you come back in. But uh, just with my own kids. So my son is kind of a homebody. So he's thriving in this kind of environment. He could care less. He gets on his PlayStation and chats to all his friends and they play games together and yell at each other and whatnot. But uh, my daughter is very social and she is just spiraling downhill into like a depression, I think. Mm -hmm. And she's not a kid that's depressed. You know what I mean? But uh she just wants to be back out. She opted to go to school when they were going to do the split AB team thing. And then uh, the school went to everybody home virtually and she just melted down because she really needs some interaction with her friends. Yeah. And that, that I think, so I think the pandemic has been good, like you said, in that has reconnected us with the basics of what uh, family life is. And, um, thought went out of my head but that's okay it'll come back later well I think and, you're talking about your own two kids and, and yeah. how different they are and that's really important to say because anybody who's listening we're all coming from different places and different situations some of us might be living alone some of us you know might like me have you know I, had a, I have a big family and it's been a lot for me personally taking care of everyone and not that my kids are older, not that they need taking care of, but it's more about, you know, grocery shopping and food pre preparation and cleaning up and running laundry. And, you know, um, well, we have taken this opportunity to educate the children. Yes. So they're doing their own laundry and they uh, cook with us. So we've split the cooking duties in half. So my husband, he has my daughter now, I had her, but he doesn't teach cooking as well as I do. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like he let my son like do nothing and be like, oh, uh-huh, uh -huh, that's what you do. Well, I got my son now and he's cooking actually. And, and then if, if he and I cook, then the other two clean up type deal. So it's kind of interesting that we've split some household duties like that. And uh, uh, once a week or so, I'll say to everybody, okay, it's clean the house day. What do you want to do? <laughs> And everybody's picking a, a job or two and getting them done. And that I find is is good. And we are doing way more family activities, you know, utilizing the pool, utilizing outdoor um, games like cornhole and things like that. And uh, even indoor stuff, getting to play um, spit seems to be the newest, happiest thing that they want to play. And I hate that game. But anyway, <laughs> it's only because I'm getting old and I'm not as quick on the fly as they are. <laughs> But, but would you have been doing that in normal circumstances? Probably not with teenagers. You know, they're both going to be 16 next week. And uh, yeah, no, it's a, it's a time when they would normally pull away and be more with their uh, friends and, and whatnot than with their parents. But we've gotten a lot of quality time together since March. And, and I, for one, am grateful for it. 
because I know they're going to be gone to college in less than two years, you know. And um, my older son uh, left for college about a week ago, and I, I really miss him. And it's not like, you know, with my girls, it's different. We go and do a lot of, you know, activities and they go shopping with me to pick the food and all that stuff. They're more hands-on. But boy, I miss his presence around the house. Um, but when my husband dropped him off at school, he said, wow, he's with his people. You know, they're where they should be. He's mm -hmm. really happy to to be back. Um, I saw your your bye-bye picture to him on Facebook, and I thought, wow, he's gotten really tall. I know, I know. He's like a man. And uh, you come up to his hip? <laughs> with all of them. Um, so I found um, this article by, uh, by a Dr. Uh, Gupta, um, and she wrote all of these points um, about, you know, since the, the World Health Organization declared COVID-19 an outbreak and a global pandemic, um, that many of us have not, many of us haven't even been infected with the virus, or maybe we have been, but it's just the fear of, you know, the unknown, and will I be the one who, you know, brings it into my community? Will I be the one who takes it back to school? Will I be the one person, if you're having outdoor church, that infects your whole church? I mean, there's, will I be the one who doesn't make it because of it? Um, and then there are people, obviously, that have had it, and there's been, you know, people that haven't gotten sick, and it, it's just very unknown. Um, but she has different ideas, pointers that could help you survive the kind of negative thinking. Um, and the first one, she says, is refrain, I'm stuck inside. And, and this is to remember as we go into the fall, you know, heading into those winter months, which could be very daunting to people. Um, because before I was saying, you know, spring was this big awakening. We sort of like, you know, mm -hmm. broke into the outdoors. And now, you know, so many people were connecting with nature. And now it might not be as readily available to all of us um, or as comfortable, you know, with the weather changing. So she says to say, instead of I'm stuck inside, um, to rephrase that and say, I can finally focus on my home and myself. Um, I think people did that the first couple weeks of this pandemic, you know, people were cleaning out closets and drawers and rooms and all that kind of stuff. And then that fell by the wayside. So yeah, maybe it's a time to reconnect with that. I got a couple of drawers and closets we could clean out, but uh, we're working on our basement. <laughs> Yeah, you found that you can't get supplies anywhere that you go to like, you know, the few stores that that are that are open like home, uh, home goods and places like that, that stock is very limited. Um, yeah, yeah. And not just not just in New Jersey either. You know, I went to Maine for a week and uh, we went into the uh, Walmart and it was like, whoa, <laughs> it's like, where is everything? <laughs> so people are really taking care of their homes. And yeah that they didn't before. And see, I think it's a gift because, you know, I've talked a lot about, you know, all kinds of different spiritual practices. And one of the ones that's really important to me is making my home feel homey, like feeling like, like a loving place. Because I always said, you know, before the pandemic that, you know, the world is wild and crazy and, you know, we go out and we get wounded and we take chances and, and we, you know, we, it's all a buzz and we're fast paced and we're running from one event to the next. And when I come home, I want my place of, you know, my home for my family to feel safe, for them to feel comfortable. Um, and that's as easy as adding flowers and things like that. And now people are redoing basements and I mean, the projects are much bigger. 
Um, But I think maybe we did get away from that a little bit. Like there were things that I, you know, I had these grand plans to do and, you know, I started painting some things in the house the other day because I had, you know, once the weather got nice, it was like, nope, see you later. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Back outside then once the weather got nice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I think about if I'm the one to bring it anywhere. I just don't want it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just don't want it. And uh, You mean the virus? Yeah, the virus. And I just want to keep everyone in the house safe. Yeah. You know, the family safe and my congregation safe. So we're still online Zoom meeting because, you know, to come up with a plan to be worshiping outside, well, that's all well and good, but I have a mainly elderly congregation who wouldn't hear a word I said without a sound system. You know what I mean? And I want worship to be as meaningful for them as it can be. And uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's been rough. And I know some of them are really clamoring to get back in the church and they want to rush back in. And I have to keep reminding them that, look, if one person gets sick and dies, you're going to feel terrible. You know, that we did this. But why do they want to rush back, Amy? So I think they, so I think it's hard for people to worship God outside of a sanctuary. Isn't that odd to say? But Zoom doesn't feel like worship to them. And I'm like, it's the same exact thing as being in a sanctuary, except that we're here in our own homes and not together in a building. I think people need that togetherness, mm-hmm. you know, and they want desperately to be back in. They want desperately their, to be back into you know, that, commu- that loving community that's supportive. Yeah. You know, you're still who you were mm-hmm. as a people. It's that being in person. And, and I feel like that that's been the hardest part. And that mentally, you know, getting back to that mental issue is that that really, it, it leaves us feeling lonely and lost and, um, and missing that human contact is so vital to, to who we are. And I think that that's why people are really appreciating and noticing, um, you know, all of this time with family togetherness, that, that if you've been able to be with family and people that are in your close inner circle that you trust, that, you know, you're all sort of quarantining together. And um, I think we're appreciating and valuing that so much more because we realize how fragile it is or how easily it was all taken from us. And so I think what you're suggesting with your, with your congregation is that people are longing for that connection and just to be back together in person. Um, but like you said, it's then we come back to that issue of, well, we don't want to infect everybody and you would feel horrible. And that's how my, my kids have said, you know, my son, when he went back to school, quarantined for two weeks, and he said, I would feel awful if I was the one who brought it to school and infected someone else. You don't still want to be that guy. So I think that that's where I was going with that. But I agree. I don't, I don't want to get sick either. And, and so here we are, you know. Um, I'm probably the antithesis of what you're thinking today, because I think, uh, this pandemic has taught me I could be a hermit really easily. <laughs> I have loved just not having to go anywhere, do anything, be anywhere. I'm just in my house doing my thing, you know. Um, my uh, daily schedule has changed. Half, uh, two-thirds of the household has changed to where we're up half the night and sleep half the morning. 
So, you know, I won't see the kids before noon. And, uh, and yeah. so not everybody feels like that, Amy. And I'm like that too, because I've always been content being by myself. Mm -hmm. I need people, but I'll go off by myself and be on my own. And then I can come back and be with my family and I'm refreshed and ready for it. Um, but not everybody feels that way. You've got, you know, know. you just said that at the beginning, the contrast between your two kids, one's fine with it and one's not. And, and so we're all built differently, but I agree. I mean, I, I could go live in the woods and be, <laughs> be okay. And, <laughs> um, so, um, and another suggestion, um, in this article that I read was to stay cl as close to your normal routine and try to remain some semblance of structure from the pre quarantine days. And so what I'm hearing you say is that your sleeping patterns, everything has shifted. Everything has changed, yeah. The only one staying close to the routine is my husband. He goes to bed when he went to bed. He gets up. He puts his alarm on and gets up, and he sticks with his routine. The other rest of us are all just all over the place. Well, one of the things that I started to do um, not long into quarantine was I would get up and get dressed. I would shower. I would blow dry my hair. I'd put a little lipstick on even though nobody's going to see your lips under the mask, but it just made me feel better to put real clothes on and, and, and not sort of give in to that. Like, <laughs> and here well, we've been in our pajamas for six months. <laughs> not that they aren't comfortable, but that's oh. part of being in the routine. So it sounds like your husband was trying to hold on to, you know, some sort of um, routine that felt normal to him. Yeah. Yeah. Very much so for him but the rest of us have devolved into pajama wearing, did you shower today people? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Each kid, I'm like, all right, when's the last time you showered? Get in a shower. Well, she goes on to say that we, some of us can fall, in, fall into a more lethargic lifestyle, which could lead to negative thinking. It says, wake up and go to bed around the same time <laughs> before you're getting it all wrong. Amy. <laughs> Eat meals, shower, adapt your exercise regimen and uh, try to get out of your PJs. I didn't read this before we came online today. That's so funny that you just said that. Yeah, yeah. My son said, why? It's less laundry if I just stay in my pajamas. <laughs> and now that he's doing his own laundry, that's important. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I suspect that next week we will probably fall back into a pattern of, because school will be yeah. in their lives and, you know, they're going to have to, do differently than they did in the spring school where they got to get up and go um, be logged into Google classrooms and all that good stuff where they didn't, you know. Isn't it prior. interesting how fast like things shift? You know, I feel like we went from summer mode. The minute my kids started school this week, it was like summer just ended, even though you're, it's still nice out. It's, it's just so funny. And even your mindset, even, you know, at my age, I still fall into that school routine. Like it's part of the rhythm of most of our lives, even if you don't have kids. I mean, you go to the store and you see all the pencils out and, you know, and all the supplies and things like that. And, and now we're starting to see pumpkin spice everything. I hate pumpkin spice. Can I just say that? <laughs> I'm probably the only person on the planet who could care less that the pumpkin season is out because I really just, I like pumpkin pie and that's about it. <laughs> I feel like it's overdone. I, I liked it as a kid, you know, when you'd have a little something around the holidays, but it's just starting that in August is, it's a little too much. So no, yeah. I'm, I'm with you on that one. I don't really go for that. Um, 
So here's another great one. And I've talked about this at, um, endlessly is avoid obsessive over endless coronavirus coverage, free up your day, um, and get plenty of time to get out and get away from all of that. I just say, turn the darn TV off. I mean, that's Ours has been off surprisingly. Nobody's really turned it on. Um, even well into the evening, people are doing other things, whether it's on their, their personal devices or whatever. And the television hasn't been on. I just get sick of hearing it. Well, you and, it. and I feel like every time I do turn it on, Amy, I, something is triggered in me. Some fear button is pushed of like, oh, well, there was somebody who now had it twice. And it's re, you know, whatever they call that, reformulating itself, the virus. And so then that was in my mind for, for you know, for like two days. And until I heard somebody else say, oh, well, that's not true. Or I don't even know if it is true. But my point is that it, um, I like to be informed, but not obsessed over the information. That not I'm too informed. There you go. Yeah. Because it's just on the TV 24-7. <clears throat> even, you know, if you're watching, I don't know, the one thing we have been watching lately is uh, these <clears throat> excuse me, resurgence of old game shows in the evening. The kids think they're funny. <laughs> I feel like we're, everything that we're talking about is people are getting back to the way it should have been and we got away from it somehow. And is this all one big gift? Um, and can we focus, like the first point that I mentioned, let's focus on the good stuff. Let's focus on the gift of family togetherness, even though we ache and miss our church communities or our workout communities or, you know, all those other things that we were involved in. Um, and could we just highlight the gifts and not forget that we've been reconnected with nature, which is vital, I think, to all of us. I mean, as a spiritual director, it's so common for people to tell me, oh, I connect with God through nature. It's like, of course mm -hmm. we all do. Cause it's, you know, and, and that's the one steady in all this nature. Um, you know, although it can rear its ugly head with storms and, and floods and things like that, it has essentially, when you go outside, it feels the same, even though we know we go back in and we can turn the TV on and hear nothing about the virus, but the virus, but the virus. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we go into a tailspin of fear and, so I feel like it mentally, it's not good for me personally to listen to that all day long over and over again. Um, and then I also think that, that limiting that amount of time each day, you know, and um, that we listen to things and then um, picking healthy outlets where you do get that information. You know, I had a friend who was really upset about, you know, she listens to a certain station and she was all fired up. And I was like, look at your body language. <laughs> like... So pay attention to that. Like, how does how does it make it feel in your body? Um, when it's been you... feeling uh, much more peaceful <clears throat> in our whole house without that television on. You know, um, we hang on the deck in the evening together and chat. Wouldn't have happened before. Um, yeah, I, I think I've been saying from the very beginning to look at it from the positives. What are you getting positively? A uh, deeper relationship with God. A deeper relationship with your family time with your children you would not have had you know for me anyway having teenagers who are getting ready to fly off into the world um lamenting that i'm missing my toddlers but really 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 enjoying this time with my teenagers what are you hearing from people that you pastor like how are people feeling and like what are people looking for from you as a pastor um 
<clears throat> well, like I said, my congregation is mainly um, elderly and they are feeling much more lonely and isolated. You know, um, they either live alone or just with a spouse and are isolated from everybody. And um, they are craving that interaction and that getting out and being with other people. Um, and it's, it's difficult because, you know, like I said, I am thriving in this environment and they are not. They're spiraling downhill. And as the hospice chaplain, you know, our people in the nursing homes are just so depressed mm -hmm. because they're quarantined, not just in a nursing home, but generally in their rooms too, away from each other. And they have no visitors and, you know, no real interaction with anybody. People drop the food off, but that's about it. And it's difficult. And they have a television and they're watching it and they see the world as they see it crumbling around them, you know? And how are you comforting them? Oh, it's difficult. I really just listen mm. a lot and offer prayer for them, but listen, let them talk because they haven't had anybody to talk to, you know? And so and, for people listening, you know, to us now, mm -hmm. reach out to that neighbor, to that elderly person in your church community or, you know, you know that a relative um, stay connected and we can do that with our phones. You know, Absolutely. There are ways that we can do that. Do not let them be forgotten because that is something um, that has always bothered me. Like I remember my mom as a kid taking me to the nursing home to see my great grandmother. We'd go on these little trips and I just have these vivid memories of it because we would leave and she would be waving at us. And I was like, well, why is she living there? And, and not with us. And, you know, now as an adult, I understand it's complicated and, you know, there are needs that maybe we can't attend to in our homes. Um, uh, but it always felt like such a lonely life to me. It felt like you're at the bus stop just waiting for the next chapter. And, um, and now what I'm hearing is it's even worse than it was because at least before people trickled in or the kind souls that would just go visit people, even if they weren't, didn't know them. Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, especially. And you, can't, you can't visit now, you know, you can't even visit. So uh, a lot of my patients <clears throat> I have no contact with because they're not capable of a conversation on the phone. Mm. You know, so I have to reach out to the families and I have to make sure I schedule enough time in between families because they need to talk. And again, it's a lot of listening because they can't go see their loved ones. So they have no clue. So they're grieving and lamenting the death already. And the person is still here, but they have no contact. So it's as though they've already lost them. Yeah. And it's like they've lose them twice then. You know, because their hope, the hope that they're clinging to is that I'll be able to see them in a couple months or something like that, you know, and, and, and we've all been saying that since March and we have no clue when this mess is going to end and we're actually going to be able to see folks. And then, of course, you've got the folks that irritate the, the tar out of people who don't believe in it at all. It's a government conspiracy to, I don't know, what, keep us locked in our houses? <laughs> and I'm thinking to myself, what is the government conspiring to do? Because... This has just slowed down our economy and we've lost jobs and, you know, people have lost wages. And so there's a lot of negatives in, from the government perspective that to me makes no sense why the government would even try 
something like this to lie about it. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm like, well, then it has to be a, a worldwide governmental lie because <laughs> we're not the only country, right? Exactly. Exactly. And when will we ever get the Chinese and the Japanese and the Germans and the Europeans and us and everybody else all on the same page to lie to the people? Come on. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm with you on that one. It doesn't, that doesn't make any sense to me. Um, but what I'm hearing is, is this, uh, this overwhelming um, urge and need for us as human beings to be connected with one another in the physical sense with our elderly, with our families, with, you know, our communities. And it's just like, I feel like that's the hardest part mentally to, to wrap my arms around is that, you know, and then all these fake hugs, you do get together. Have, I don't know if you've seen anybody, but have you had any of these outdoor patio visits with friends? I've done some of that. And it's the most awkward thing to see somebody that you love and care about and then kind of fake, you know, air hug. Yeah, you can't touch them. Yeah. From across the way it's just I don't know it goes it goes against everything that that you know that we know and love about being human that was one thing about vacation for us that was uh, great because um, when we go usually once a year we go with my entire family my brother and his kids my sister her kids my parents the whole shebang so for the little ones to come running up and be able to pick them up and hug them was quite fun mm. you know I kind of miss them yeah yeah and just hanging out together, chatting. And, I mean, because we were just chatting, uh, you know, like around a fire in the evening and the kids are making s'mores and whatnot. And and so how did that feel? It felt normal. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it felt good because, you know, we were laughing and joking like we always do and picking on each other. And it, yeah, normal is a good way to put it. Yeah. Um, you know, and it made me think that we are um, connectional people. And and God knew that from the beginning, right? God looked at Adam and said, hmm, he needs something. And then created woman, right? And thus we have that communal from the beginning. And there are some of us that really, really, really th thrive on that period, yeah. you know? So what is your suggestion for, like, what do you think that we're being um, called to understand or to learn about one another in that sense that something that's so innate that God created for us to be together in that way. And now there, we sort of, you know, you walk down the street and somebody sees you and they're like, oh, and they cross real quickly and they go on the other side. It makes me feel awful when that happens. Makes you go, I showered. <laughs> I have deodorant on. <laughs> you can walk by me. It's okay. Well, I have asthma, and uh, the weather has not been good for myself or my son. And that we just had this chronic cough with the asthma. And you should see that people look at me like I'm a pariah. Yeah. You know, just coughing. And I'm like, wow, it's just asthma. It's okay. I'm not going to infect you with anything, you know. But, uh, it's, it's, I think, been a two-edged sword in that it's been good in that it has taken us back to the way life used to be. And maybe, and I'm just going to say it, maybe the way life should be. Yeah. More connectional with your family, more, you know, interaction and, and taking care of each other and, and being with each other and nurturing each other. And, and it's also, you know, split us from the ones that we can't be close to. 
Yeah. So you know, it's you, pretty you short. To to um, to relate to this just because of your hospice work, but at the end of life, and you ask somebody, what was the what was the most important thing to you? You know, you always hear my family. You know, my my doll. Or, you know, just it's all about family. It's about family togetherness. And somebody would say, what were the best times of your life? When were you happiest? And they'll bring up a family vacation or you know something like that. And I would hear that and I'd think, but that's not how you lived your life. I know. You said that, but you worked, you were a workaholic, you were never home, or mm -hmm. you were angry all the time, or you were in a hurry all the time. And even though you say that was the most important thing to you, mm -hmm. I'm, not, I, I'm not witnessing that that's how you were living your life. And this is just a broad observation of mine. And what I'm seeing now is that, yes, this is the most important thing to me right now. And yes, I'm living that and I'm feeling those feelings of togetherness. And that's why I've like my, when my son left, he was home for six months. He's where he should be. He's 20, should be in college. He should be with his friends, but wow, was that special to have him home for six months and, you know, and he's goofy and fooling around and pranking us and, you know, and all that, and all that fun stuff. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the day, I can honestly say that family is the most important thing to me. Um, but, and I'm living in, well, and now we have a chance to be living that for in real time versus just saying it. Uh, it has always been the most important thing to me. And I have always lived it in that. I mean, I'm sure you recall, I retired from police work on purpose yeah. to be with my family. I retired at 20 instead of 25 years. I went early yeah. because I wanted to be home with the children and they were little. Um, but I don't think that everybody was doing that, Amy. I think people no, wanted, they weren't. They wanted to do it, but yet, you know, your lifestyle would change or you'd have to make these uncomfortable adjustments. And I'm not saying there's no judgment here. It's just an observation is that mm -hmm. we wanted those things, but we couldn't quite realize them. You acted on it, which I, that's one of the things I admire about you. I mean, I remember when we went to school together and you said that you had, you know, stepped back from all of those, you know, amazing careers to, yeah. to prioritize what you really valued. And what I'm, the, the, the thing that doesn't make, that doesn't match up is that I'm hearing people say that that matters, but they weren't necessarily living it. And now, and now we are. Now we are. Well, I don't, I, and I'm not, no, no judgment, like you said, but I don't think um, people could live what they valued. Follow me on this. Um, you know, they were working hard to provide for the family and in doing so lost sight of just being with the family, which, you know, you want to be comfortable financially. And of course you've got to feed the family. That's important. Um, but people, I think, prioritize their family in their work in that I'm working hard so that my children can go to college or so that my children can eat for in some cases, you know, um, and I was fortunate and grateful enough and blessed to be able to step back and say, I'm going to be home. And I think that this pandemic has done that for many, many, many people because we've all been home yeah. and they've been able to have the time that they crave with their families. You know, um, I just know my own father worked incredibly hard from sunup to sundown and past to feed the family. You know, my stepmother did not work. So he was the sole income. Yeah. 
I'm hearing that this is how God has been working in our lives in the midst of what seems chaotic and fearful and unknown territory and um, is that in the midst of that, this, you know, and not everybody has been lucky enough to be in the place that you and I are in with children, you know, in the house still. Um, but in that family time and, and, and what we craved or what we said was the most important thing to us, now we can live that out. Yes. Um, and, and I guess what I'm getting at is that really living in a, from a place of gratitude for the gift of that. Cause I already feel it changing, you know, with my kids back online and, and my older son leaving and, you know, my daughter might have to start going back to work in, in the city. And, you know, my husband has already gone back to work it has shifted. And mm -hmm. so the sweet spot that we were in, we're kind of still in it, but not quite the same where we're on for dinners. I'm really kind of looking forward to going back to work though. Like, you know, going to a nine to five and having that routine again, yes. I have enjoyed this time immensely. Don't get me wrong. But uh, I think deep down, we probably do crave routine to some extent. Yeah. You know, especially since everybody else is in that routine. So if you want to connect with others, you need to be on the same time zone. Yeah. You know, I can't call people at 2 a.m. when I have a aha, <laughs> just because I'm up, other people are in bed, right? <laughs> well, you know what is interesting that someone else I spoke with uh, that's going to be on a, another podcast was saying that, um, spirit speaks to us between that 4 a.m. and 6 a.m. hour and that you know there and I, I brought up the roomy poem of like don't go back to sleep oh no you're gonna pull it off your wall you have this yes yes it was my favorite Tell me, uh, read it to us <laughs> it's my favorite thing from my jar of joy oh I'm grabbing it pull it off my my board, see? I've saved my... I love it. It says, the breeze at dawn has secrets to tell you. Don't go back to sleep. You must ask for what you really want. Don't go back to sleep. People are going back and forth across the door sill where the two worlds touch. The door is round and open. Don't go back to sleep. Mm. It's my favorite jar of joy, and I leave it on my bulletin board. And why yeah. is it your favorite? I think that idea that we can go through the door and talk back and forth to those who have passed away or, you know, um, <clears throat> I have been exploring lately with um, different mediums, this idea of being actually able to talk with loved ones who have passed and um, what it's like on the other side, you know? And it's been interesting. So mm. I don't know, maybe that's why it's one of my favorites. So the mysteriousness of it. Yeah. Too. And here's what I suggest is that when you wake up at four in the morning or 4.30, like I did this morning, I did go back to sleep, but I woke up at four in the 4.30 in the morning. And instead of resisting that and thinking like, oh, it's 4.30 in the morning. I don't want to get up. I thought, I'm just going to lie here for a minute and listen. And the idea of talking about our mental health during all of this came to me. And I thought that's what Amy and I are going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how to stay well, what, you know, and what I'm hearing today is to keep routines, 
you know, and we eventually will get back to those other routines, but not to lose um, hope for what, what we did glean or gain from this time of slowdown and that we will pick up the pace again, you know, it will happen. There'll be a vaccine, there'll be, you know, something that will turn and, and open things back up, but wow, let's take, so anyway, what happens to me in that window of that early morning hours is like, wow, the universe has something to tell me. Absolutely. God's Absolutely. And I'm, I'm, and I think that we, our guard is down. So at the height of the day at noon, I'm buzzed up on coffee. I just, you know, I have lunch, I'm moving. I'm, I'm, and I'm not slowing down enough to listen. But at 4.30 in the morning, nothing has entered my body yet. Maybe a sip of water. And all I have is the silence and the space. And it's silence because the whole house is silent. Yeah. Everybody's asleep at 4.30 in the morning. I hope so, yes. Now, and there's no disturbances. So some great ideas come to us and, and thoughts and words and, and, and I feel it's a, a time when the divine, I, that I feel close to the divine because, you know, the divine is close to me 24 seven, but that time that I open up and I'm close, you know, so even if the kids, if everybody's in bed and I'm still up that hour of the day, that, that four to five, it's just a, it's magic a time. Yeah, it is. And what I'm hearing, what I, what I just caught that you just said that's so important, and maybe we'll close on that note, is that God is with us always, this omnipresence, right? Always, mm -hmm. that breath of God is always right there. But what I heard is that at that four o'clock time, you tuned into it. So it's always there, always with us, but we forget. And so this is the reminder that rather than forget, it's the busyness of your day. I mean, could you tune into it at noon? Sure. But if you try to find a quiet spot in your house at noon right now, are you going to find it? Or is somebody going to come busting in with a mom? I need blah, blah, blah. You know, and that's uh, why you go out into nature, right? That's why we go out yeah. into nature because we find it out there. That's why people feel peaceful in nature. It's because you can connect to God there too. Because you get that minute of clarity, that minute of quiet that we're getting at that don't go back to sleep hour. Yeah. Yeah. Because even during the day, like I could be working right here in front of my computer and then you can see the, the, the rocker back there. Yes. Oh, I don't even know it, but one of the kids comes in and plops in there and they're just in here with me, mm. you know? while I'm working and then I'll be like, Oh, when did you get here? <laughs> and they're like, Oh, well, I really like this chair. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> I like the feeling. So, yeah. There's no, there's no quiet time during the day. Yeah. Yeah. Even if you're hunting for it. Exactly. Even if mm -hmm. you're hunting for it, I love that word hunting for it. And I see right above your head. Does that say peace? Yes. So we have all these reminders all around us too. You have peace over the back of your head there. Up here it says, be still and know that I am God. Up here is faith is having the courage to let God have control. I have all these reminders and this is my, this is the God room my daughter calls it, <laughs> my office, but it's got all my, you know. So Amy, how, how about the suggestion for our listeners in, in closing is that at any time, during the day at any time whether it's four in the morning or 12 noon and your kitchen is buzzing that you can say this prayer be still and know that i am god 
Mm -hmm. still and know that I am God. And maybe in the stillness that we've been offered, God has maybe appeared or been more present in our lives because we're more in tune with it than and that's the gift that we take into those dark winter months is that there's that stillness that we can still tap into and, um, and use to, you know, to enrich our lives and to give Absolutely. us peace. Absolutely. I look at this and I've been saying this since March when we closed down to look at this as a gift, mm -hmm. a gift of time, a time with your family, a time with God, a time with yourself. Now, some of us don't like to be with ourselves, but it's a time with yourself to work out anything inside, you know? Yes. And, you know, I keep repeating this because I love it so much, but a friend said that in order to be, um, in order to grow in any way, we have to be temporarily uncomfortable. But the key word in that is temporary. Mm -hmm. So if we are one of those people that don't like to be quiet with ourselves because of the fear of what might bubble up, it's really not all as bad as it might, you might think. And that the other side that there's this enormous amount of freedom. Absolutely. Show Absolutely. up with spiritual work. Yeah. Reminds me of the definition of forgiveness. It's not for you. It's for me. Mm, perfect. I think we'll end on that note. I'm Pam Rotelli-Robertson, and you have been listening to Talking Joy, talks that help you realize your value while creating authentic connections with others. For more information about our talk today or to get in touch, you can find us at TalkingJoy.org. And to keep the encouragement going, you can also follow Talking Joy on Instagram and Facebook. Simple, joyful, fun. Thanks for listening. This is Talking Joy.